today's episode, we'll kick off with a bit of drink think, trying to figure out what is the best combination food for whiskey, and then we'll dive right into the main discussion of the 2018 movie starring Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga, A Star Is Born, and then Barrio will introduce the topic of next episode, which is the movie Billy Elliot. Hello, and welcome the culture quest we are but humble adventurers and today we're waiting to be discovered so that we could finally sell the fuck out with me oh. as always are peter tell me something listener and bio Do you... <laughs> and i am in on <laughs> i was like oh my god he's gonna do an improv line this is gonna be sick and then <laughs> yeah yeah then that happened <laughs> No words. (laughs) Literally no words. My go-to sound. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you, the listeners at home, for taking part in our noble quest. Today we're discussing the 2018 film A Star is Born, directed by and featuring Bradley Cooper, alongside Lady Gaga. I think this movie was generally well-received and the soundtrack became very popular. I don't know if the music, you know, if the the whole thing kind of falls under the, the musical category, but it has quite a few songs. But, as always, before we get there, let's do today's segment, Drink Think. So, the movie A Star is Born features a fair amount of drinking. (laughs) I think it's mostly whiskey or bourbon in the movie, and that kind of got me thinking, we all enjoy whiskey uh, here and there. And I wanted to ask you guys, do you guys enjoy something to eat along with your whiskey? If so, is it is it a snack do you like to have with whiskey, or do you drink whiskey alongside a meal? Uh, what do you guys do? Uh, I think you guys are probably the bigger whiskey drinkers in this one, but I'll let Barry go first. Usually, no. Like usually, I think only whiskey is is mighty fine. Mighty fine. Mighty fine. Just mighty fine. <laughs> Maybe smoking something. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Yeah, kind of like giving it a smoky harmony. Yeah, you know, I usually take my whiskey alone. Like, I, I don't need anything with it. You know, whiskey stands on its own. But smoking, yeah, a cigar goes very well with uh, some whiskey. Do you, do you guys ever find, like, I've drunk mostly white spirits. I, I find, like, sometimes you get kind of, like, if you don't have something to drink with it, you get almost, like, this really, like, empty stomach feeling. Even if, like, you've eaten recently and then you, like, you don't have anything between sips. I don't know. Sometimes the alcohol feels like more like too like medicinal. Mm. It, like if you if you don't have something to go with it, I often find this with like gin or something where um, you're having like one without many of like the pink pepper or like the more grainy 
notes and you just have the fruity like citrusy stuff sometimes there's like there's no bottom or no base to it so sometimes i have something with that but with with whiskey i don't really ever drink whiskey mixed when i have whiskey it's usually after like like halfway through the night and it's just like straight whiskey and in that case i don't really have much that i'd like to go with it except for one thing i I saw it in a um in a video of it 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 was made by buzzfeed um which isn't really like a good thing nowadays but um (laughs) they do this thing where i'm not sure if you've seen it but they compare very cheap whiskey to like very expensive whiskey or cheap cocktails expensive cocktails like yeah they do they do it for everything it's like a really great series and um they had like this really expensive whiskey and they go to this whiskey bar and the guy pairs it with bacon like really like crispy Mm. bacon like not even lots of bacon either just like maybe like 100 grams of bacon between two people which is like not that much that seems like a great idea so i I tried that once and it was pretty good that's an interesting idea it could work like really crispy bacon as well Hmm. like not so meaty yeah even well it's all meat yeah (laughs) but you know like Not, not the soft kind not soft i find like when i buy bacon in australia it's always really like soft like even when you cook it it kind of feels just like normal ham not very satisfying to be honest because i went to um singapore and there was like this crispy bacon and honestly i still remember the bacon (laughs) (laughs) i I don't even remember like the hotel i don't remember like the sites or anything like that all i remember really like when it comes down to it is the bacon it was just like the bacon we had like in the morning when you go down to like level two or whatever and it's like they serve everything. And it was like super crispy. That was like the peak of your it day. It was like a, yeah, <laughs> it was it was like a very, very, like, it was almost like a dried fruit it felt like, but it was bacon. And I've been looking for like bacon like that in Australia and I just can't find it. Like it feels like a bit like a conspiracy somehow. Like they're just like not shipping it here or maybe like the restaurant's like special whiskey place which does bacon. I wonder or... if that's a thing. If like you go to like a big whiskey bar, do they do do most places serve bacon as like a, a, a I don't snack. think it's a standard. No. But it, I think it would be like wine and cheese is hundred percent a standard. Yeah. But um, I never heard I of bacon and whiskey, but I can see how it can uh, become a thing. Maybe yeah. I have a snack I think goes pretty well with whiskey. Peter, do you know of uh, Snyder's pretzels? Uh, Snyder's of Hanover. Uh, I know called. what pretzels are. <laughs> <laughs> well done. <laughs> well done. Well, in this in this sort of like intercontinental podcast we've got going, whenever we say oh, I'm sure you know of this, <laughs> it's we're never sure because no, it's amazing what things you think are global but they're actually just national yeah you know and even that it's like you think they're national and it's just your house <laughs> <laughs> yeah well uh, those those pretzels the uh, snyder's of hanover pretzels i i'm i'm sure they're american almost sure they're american <laughs> i actually have a bag ne- right next to me so let me see uh yeah in Pennsylvania, United States, are being made. I'll be honest; they're looking like pretty normal pretzels at the moment. I'm looking at the mini pretzels. That's what we just call pretzels. Yeah, and I don't know. In Israel, they're everywhere. In the last few years, especially if you're looking at the website on the right, there's the the Snyder's pretzel pieces, mm. and I I used to love those. They have like honey mustard and onion flavors. They have parmesan garlic flavors mm. and cheddar cheese. If you look at the website, there's a bunch of flavors we don't get here in Israel, Barrio. It's really interesting stuff. Going to check but that out. It's, it, there's, their flavor is too strong for me. 
And if you're looking at the website, there's uh, the braided twists category. Oh, yeah. And in there, there's a honey wheat. Honey wheat. Oh, man. Mm. I just love those. I'm bringing them up because they're perfect with whiskey. Because they, they don't have that really, really strong flavor. They, at first, kind of taste like regular pretzels. Like, you know, just regular pretzels with sea salt and everything. But they have this subtle, sweet aftertaste that is really addicting. And... They're very, very, you know, like pleasantly crunchy. They're a bit sweet, a bit salty, not too strong. And because they don't have that really strong flavor, they don't distract you from the, the whiskey. So in between like whiskey sips, having this crunchy, crispy, very subtly sweet pretzel is, I think, amazing. You don't have those in Australia? Uh, I've never heard of this brand. We might have them. It's possible. But they also have something called these pretzel dips there's a white creme one so it's like basically like white chocolate they'll call it creme but it's chocolate and um so many kind of yeah uh, variants it's like it's like the chocolate covered strawberries but chocolate covered pretzels looks really good i'm not sure how well it will go with whiskey well i think chocolate does go with well with whiskey but it takes it to a whole different place. It's not my style. Yeah. Not well, my I, style. I've been to a wedding yesterday, and there was a part where I had some whiskey, and there were these really chocolatey cubes. To my experience, when you eat chocolate and whiskey, it's more about making the chocolate taste better. When you eat something salty, it's making the whiskey taste better. While we're on the topic of salt, if you're sugarcoating something, right, it means that like you're making something seem... I guess, positive yeah. than what it really is. If you want to make something more negative, are you salt coating it? <laughs> We've played the, that game, Peter, uh, last episode where we made up expressions. You you missed the boat. <laughs> well, that's not a new word. It's like salt a coating. new phrase. <laughs> it's a new use for a word. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't want to salt... I don't want to salt coat this situation, but everything's <laughs> fucked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I think Apple have um, graciously or ungraciously uh, removed us as a special e podcast. So, like, we'll have individual episodes which have ease and without ease. But when you like look at the podcast through kind of like just scrolling through, yeah. like it just broadly gives you an e or without an e. I'm not sure if it's percentage-based or, like, I, I, I assume it's percentage-based. Yeah, but it has to be. We've had a few episodes with E recently, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was really the goal. Yeah. <laughs> to have them all E's. But as soon as I found out we missed an E, then I was like, eh, let's not go for completionist anymore. Like, but I, I think we'll lose our, like, non-E. I think we'll get our E plates back. Eventually. We're aiming for a more mature audience recently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about A Star is Born, um, which is a 2018 film. So pretty recent, but it feels like it's been out for a long time and it was directed. Well, actually, it's, the co-director is actually more important to this. It was co-directed by... Bradley Cooper, and that's, I don't know why I thought he's done it a lot more often, but this was his first outing as a co-director, so yeah, I guess this is pretty common within actors and actresses. They do enough films, and it's kind of like becoming the boss, you know? So, good for him. Yeah, he's a, he's a talented guy. Yeah, they move behind the camera, or both in front and behind the camera. Original <laughs> director. Who did you say the actual director was? 
Was it just him? I'm Who's looking at IMDb right? now, and it's just him, I think. Oh, okay. I don't see any other I names. I guess there'd be different writers as well. Mm. Yeah, he co-wrote it with Eric Roth and Will Fetters. Oh, that's what it was. Fetters. Okay. Anyway, it's the fourth installment in the musical series, um, with earlier films released in 1937, 1954, and 1978. So this is pretty much like a long time since the last one. The first three were kind of within... I don't know, 20, 25 years, but um, this one took about 40. So they, they always get um, very popular artists and actresses at the time um, of, of shooting it. So it's not meant to be like unknown actresses playing the part. It's, it's actually, the point is to get people like Lady Gaga. So when they were doing casting, the original person they wanted to play Ali was Beyonce, which would have been pretty, pretty mm, crazy oh. as well. Wow. Um, and I think the, the male actor could have been anyone from, I think, Christian Bale to Christian maybe. Bale? Yeah, I think he would have been very good in this film as well. Can, can he sing? He could sing the, the song Shallow in the Batman voice. <laughs> well, I was like, mm, nah, no one's going to do it. <laughs> I'll just move on. So anyway, um, the film starts with Jackson Maine, country rock performing artist. He's really kind of killing it on the music scene. He's, I guess you could say he's kind of like a, like not, not in his prime, but definitely like in the, in those years where he's living off it, you know? Yeah. And fortunately he's also battling his own demons, which is the main thrust of the film, namely his chronic drinking, but also his tinnitus as well. So that's where you kind of like hear a ringing sound in your ears a lot. Um, and he's also losing his, his hearing as well. Um, so there's a, there's a nice scene at the start where he's kind of refusing to, to use in-ear monitors. So I think it's kind of part of his loose attitude and he, he's coming back from a gig. He's looking for a bar to kind of drink and he meets Ali in a small club and they, uh, they pretty much immediately fall in love. There's a nice car park scene. A small, a small drag club. Yeah. I, I found I found it really special, actually. I don't know if it was a drag club or if that was the drag night. And um, she's also a um, fantastic singer, but her career, or really lack thereof, has stalled at basically casual gigs at small bars, which um, Jackson saw her at. And um, he basically uses his reach, his his audience, to bring attention to her voice. And she becomes a world worldwide success. Probably just as big as him. Um, she's obviously newer on the scene, but yeah. you know she she's fast becoming even bigger than Jackson. So um, yeah, she's, at a point she surpasses him. Yeah, so she's writing these amazing songs, and they really are amazing. For like, they're all original songs for this movie, and they're all fantastic. Towards the end of the film, I think it's clear that she's she's the biggest star. Thus, the star is born, and their relationship, whilst they're very deeply in love. They're not like eighteen-year-olds, you know. They're. they're I imagine them to have like twenty years between them. I think so. Yeah. So they're kind of deeply in love, but their relationship does suffer some scarring, as his drinking problems pretty much affect their relationship, and he's becoming a little bit of an embarrassment in a lot of people's eyes because she's really the star, and he's sort of weighing her down in some sense. And um, the big moment comes when Ali is uh, accepting award at the at the Grammys, and uh, he he basically just wets himself on stage and he's drunk. It's just like the worst 
no, there's no redeeming moments or anything like that. Like she has to like no. stop doing the speech and just go on sort of like damage control mode. And so he goes and seeks, I guess you could say treatment. Um, he's in like some sort of facility. It, it looks like a psychological kind of treatment center. It's not, I don't think it's a hundred percent clear from the movie, but, um, has that sort some of some kind of rehab center, rehab centers. Yeah. That's what I was looking for. That, that seems what it would be like. And, um, Basically, his um, recovery starts to take effect. He's seeming more clear-headed. He's obviously not drinking. He's seeming actually a little bit more positive. But then he, um, Rez uh, Gavron, who's um, Ali's manager, he, he comes around to, I think it's Ali's house or maybe Ali and Jackson's house. He, uh, he he's basically comes in, hi, how are you going, Jackson? And he thinks they're on good terms, but then Rez basically just says, mate, we're not on good terms. Like, you've embarrassed her. You're just impeding her successes. And, you know, like, he, he's basically saying, like, you're just dead weight, essentially. Later, Jackson's a no-show at one of Ali's gigs. She asks Rez, you know, send someone to the house, make sure he's all right. But um, by then, it's too late. He's already uh, taken his own life. So that's that's kind of like the saddest point in the film. And it's sadder knowing that the dog, that's kind of like, um, so he does it in the garage and the dog's like, you know, he's he's got like extra food and stuff like that until like people come and discover him and stuff. But um, that's actually Bradley Cooper's dog, which is really sad. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. No. His dog's like, fuck it, Ellie's doing this shit again. <laughs> 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 anyway, so uh, the, la- the last uh, closing scenes are really... Ali singing um, a song that Jackson wrote for her, but never obviously came out with, um, called I'll Never Love Again. And um, yeah, that's that's basically the film. So it's it's quite a sad film, but there's like happy moments to it. So what did you guys broadly think about the movie? Like um, entertaining, moving? What did you think? I, 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 I really liked the movie. I it didn't become like one of my personal favorites. I have a few things to say about it. I think it has a few flaws, but all in all, I really love stories like this. I think the story was pretty good. I uh, really enjoyed watching the movie. I thought Bradley Cooper was pretty good at first, but by the end of the movie, I thought he was like amazing. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I, th- I think he's like the work he he did on this movie as an actor was kind of subtle. Like you don't really notice it, but he really really was amazing. I, I certainly don't think he's a unappreciated actor. He's in no, a lot of not good things. Yeah. But I think people associate him a lot with hangover and stuff and they go, well, yeah. He, he's a he's a serviceable actor, but I, I he does seem like from from my cursory kind of investigation, like he seems like he's really committed to acting and he's doing a really good job. I didn't love his character too much. Like you're you're not supposed to love his character, but you're supposed to kind of maybe connect with it because maybe maybe you're, you are supposed to love his character but you know he's kind of aggressive he takes what he wants without considering anyone else at least in the beginning and you kind of do feel for him you kind of do want him to make it through alive you know you kind of want him to to be able to deal with his demons uh, i don't know but the movie literally kind of starts with him taking drugs and and drinking before a show mm-hmm. so you're never entirely hopeful for him. You're never really optimistic for him. And Lady Gaga, man, she was 
like amazing. She she really blew my mind. I never really knew what she looked like or what she sounded like because my only experience with Lady Gaga was a few years ago. She she did the Super Bowl halftime show.、Mm, I remember that. I I wasn't paying too much attention to that because like usually. Uh, when the the Super Bowl halftime show is on, I usually get something to eat. But in this movie, she was easily the highlight of the movie. Like I, I don't know if it was planned or not, but I literally fell in love with her when she was like on that bar、mm-hmm. when when the first time she and like her character Ali and Jack crossed eyes when, when she sings in French. And I have to say, I kind of fell out of love with her when she kind of changed her look and became like a major pop star. And I, I'm not sure if I totally got the the, the the meaning of the story, because I've heard a few people had problems with like the ending or or the meaning or stuff like that. But I'm not sure if I agree with them. I don't know. I thought at first that it's a story about having something to say, but I feel like in the end it was kind of a secondary、uh, storyline, maybe. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree.、Yeah. I think like at the beginning it was like、uh, something they kept bringing up, but in the end, not not that much. Maybe it was about losing yourself, like your identity to fame and alcoholism and jealousy. I'm not exactly sure. Yeah, I think I think that was my my main issue with the with the film as well. Because from the story perspective, well, maybe I'm missing something, but not a lot came through. Like Jackson, like he he has this relationship with his brother and with his、uh, deceased father, and yeah, he's losing his hearing, but. I don't know. I I didn't really understand how it all. Definitely, it was all part of his fall, and and that was kind of like one of the main occurrences in the in the movie. But eventually, I I don't know. It it wasn't. It didn't go anywhere. There were a lot of little storylines, and none of them really paid off. Yeah. So that what made me feel that this whole thing was just. It's not about the the movie plot. It's about. You know, getting into emotional scenes where the songs and the music could play a bigger part. That's kind of、mm-hmm. like what I felt at the end. I think the f- the main, the, the, I would definitely agree. The secondary storyline was having something to say, essentially, and also like melding into that is like it's not what you look like; it's what you bring to the table in terms of like your your voice. Your, her voice was obviously amazing. She's a fantastic singer. I had no idea, to be honest. I only knew the poker face song, but、um, she's obviously like portrayed as this kind of like not this attractive person. But when she sings, like it all changes. I think there was a great scene with Jackson and Ali where he's just he basically like at this point you feel like he's past his prime, and he says like, you know, if you have something to say, just fucking say it because like. You're not going to be around too long, and just as you want to say it,、yeah. you're not going to have the chance. So just say what you want to say, and get the fuck out. And I, I really like that. That's、scene. the last time they mentioned that bit in the movie. I think. Yeah, I think it was. Right, they don't mention having something to say yeah, anymore after that. I think、one. that was. I think that was like a good scene,、um, kind of like showing that that bit of the storyline. But I think obviously the main one was, I think captured by the the one of the lines in in. Shallow, which was like, are you tired of trying to fill that void? And I think that's what it was. I think、yeah. the drinking problem, I think, was a like just it, it was just exacerbated his problems essentially. So he had like degradations of problems. He had like the tinnitus, which was like obviously annoying, but was like purely physiological, psychological, a little、yeah. bit. But then you had the drinking, which was like starting to affect more of like a, on a personal level. You know what I mean? Like no one says like, oh. 
you're not the same person I met since you had tinnitus. You know what I mean? It's like, but, but drinking definitely affects like the way he looks at life. But I think there's a problem above both of them, which is like yeah. when he is coming back from a gig, he's just looking for a bar that serves alcohol. And there's nothing wrong with that. But, you know, a lot of people would want to like go home and see their wife or their kids or something like that. And it was, it's almost like a little bit sad. You're meant to feel a little bit sad for him. Like, you know, he's coming back from like 50,000 people who just adore him and they are probably going back home. How was the concert? And he's like, oh, it was great, mom. Like you wouldn't believe it. They played my favorite song, you know, what's for dinner and all this, (laughs) but he's going back, going to a bar that he knows no one. And he's just ordering like straight gin, essentially. You know, like it was. It seems lost. Yeah, which was great when he met Ali because then he finally did have someone to go back to, and yeah. that felt like his main problem, like filling the void. Like he, he really felt like he had no purpose. You know, like if you look at Bradley Cooper as a person, he's involved like charity work. He's now directing. He's been in all these amazing films, and he's sort of like a really driven person, like always thinking about what he can do next. But then you look at the character he's playing and he honestly seems like, oh, fuck, a gig today. Oh, boy, let's do that. And then goes to the gig and he's like, all right, fucking let's get a drink. And then like wakes up the next day. He's like, what, a fucking gig again? And then like, you know, like it feels like he's honestly like just bouncing around. Yeah. Like not really planning anything out. It's not really clear. And I'm not sure if it's because it's the first time he's directed a movie. Maybe... Maybe his next movies will be a bit more focused or a bit more clear. I don't know. It's hard to say. It's definitely not like a, it, it's definitely a weak point, but it's definitely not like, doesn't make, doesn't really detract too much from the film. It just no, detracts. No, from no, I, I agree. When you're analyzing the film, it's like, oh, I can see there's a yeah, problem here. But exactly. There are movies where you, you're supposed to like focus less on the storyline and just enjoy the, the adventure, the, the relationship, the feel of the movie. And this is a little bit like that sometimes. Yeah, I totally agree. We'll, we'll go into sort of like the more sort of, um, I guess you could say a heart aching bits of the film, but like, we'll start off like yeah. with more of the surface level, shallow bits yeah, of the film. The shallow. <laughs> what was your favorite song from the film? For me, it was when they sit in the parking lot and she just starts singing without, without music, without anything. And oh yeah. Her voice is amazing. The magic of the movie is, is her voice. It is. F- for sure. She's doing amazing work there. <laughs> I feel like I'm listening to a podcast. And some guy's like, yeah, the music is, the magic of the movie is really her voice. I'm like, yeah. That's what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think you get the, the magic of her voice when she's singing without any backup. Just her voice. And in that scene, which is very minimal, I, I think it was just brilliantly done. And Jack is looking at her with, uh, you know, kind of like the same way that we're looking at her at, the, at that point. I think like in the, um, there's, that's actually in the soundtrack. So they play that, uh, I guess, that interaction. And then the next song, song I think, is the actual. Well, I might, I might be wrong about that, actually. I think it might be separated by a few songs. But I actually kind of prefer the way she sings the one in the parking lot. Like it's. I don't know. It's like more to it, more like enunciation to it. It's mm, yeah. When she's saying like, "Do you want more?" in the in the um, I guess what you'd call it the official version. Like, excuse my singing, by the way, listeners. You have like a two second warning. But like in the official one, she's like, "And do you need more?" But in the car park version, she's like way more different. You know, she's like, 
And do you need more? Like stuff you can't do with with all the backup singers, like in that same sound wave, you know. Yeah. So, I, yeah, that's that's really good. I wish they recorded an acoustic version. That'd be nice, or like a more toned down version. I really like the song. Um, look what I found. Oh. The one where Ali sings on, like, on the piano. I'm alone in my house. Yeah, I really, really like that song. Even though, like, this song leans way more towards the poppy songs yeah. that I didn't like as much. Like, there there was the, the very, very poppy song. Uh, why, why do you do that? Why did you do that? Yeah, I, I, it's okay. It's not a bad song, but it's really not my style. I think it's way beyond, like, the peak of Ali's career. <laughs> but Look What I Found is kind of a cool song. I really, really enjoyed it. I listened to it a lot. But all in all, like, before we continue... Do you like the music in the movie? Do you think the, the, the music was good? I did. I bloody loved it. When I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this sounds nice. But I bet when I'm actually listening to the songs again at the gym, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, it was just in the movie. Like, it wasn't like <laughs> yeah. they were good songs. But you know what? I'm not going to say, like, they stand on their own, like, against. I guess I, I guess when I say her songs, I think were perfect. I, I, I thought her songs were for albums, you know? Yeah. And I feel like his songs were pretty good, but probably B-side songs, mm. you know what I mean? Like, I think one of my favorite one what, from him was, um, he played it quite early. It was... Um, Maybe it's time to let the always die. Yeah. Know what I was thinking of, but that one was a pretty good one. Um, my favorite one of his was um, Black Eyes. The one that opens the movie. Uh, Yeah. I think. Do 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 do. I'm probably Black just doing. Eyes, do, 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 do. Let me have a thing. On the wayside. Oh, that's how it went. By the wayside. Yeah. By the wayside. <laughs> yeah, that was that was exactly how it went. That was actually a good song, and it had great guitar in it as well. Yeah. It's a good opener for the movie. Yeah, and it, it, it's good that Dude, they. We should totally start a band. We should start a band. <laughs> <laughs> we should start a band. Why haven't we started a band yet? <laughs> That's a work in progress, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I thought he had a good one. Um, one of my favorites was the the, the um, instrumental Out of Time. I thought that was really good. Felt like yeah. a very Frank Zappa like. But all in all, like if you take the, the soundtrack and you consider it as an album. I loved it. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't cool. work with I, all the I dialogues. Know, I had a few. But- if you take them out, it, it's uh, There's a second version of the soundtrack. The one I listened to was without the dialogues. Oh. Uh, so it's only, it's just the songs. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know, I have to say, I kind of like the movie, the, the music. Uh, I think the, mo- the music was pretty good, but it's just felt too processed. You know, it's felt like music made for a movie, which yeah. obviously is a dumb thing to say because the music was written for the movie. <laughs> But, I don't know, it was a bit too processed, a bit too generic. The best example, I think, for that is how the song Shallow ends. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the structure of the song Shallow is a bit, like, weird to me. It's like two verses, oh, a chorus, another chorus, and then it ends. Don't offend my favorite song. No. <laughs> <laughs> I like the song, but, like, 
you know, they play the chorus and then the, the last chorus and then they just play one last E minor chord. Yeah. <laughs> and it sounds as if they just wanted to end the, 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 the song quickly to move on yeah. in that scene to where they're hugging on that stage and everything is kind of amazing. Yeah, that could have been a five minute song. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it sounded a bit weak that yeah. way. And I thought that, like, if the, if this song would have been written for an album, mm. for like a real album, it would have been longer. It would have had a few more verses. Would have been milked more. Yeah, yeah, I get I that. I also mentioned that I did listen to the soundtrack a few times along the last couple of days, or maybe even the last week or so. It's pretty long. It's like, I don't know, 15 or 17 songs. It's just over an mm. hour. And all in all, it is pretty good. It's just, it's not perfect. Very enjoyable, don't, don't get me wrong, but it's not perfect. So my favorite, you're actually kind of on the same wavelength as me. And on My favorite was, um, same as you, it was Look What I Found. Um, I didn't love it at the start. Like when I heard the um, the scene with the, I think they call it. How do you hear it in the on the um, soundtrack? She's like playing it on the piano, and so she's like, you know, how do you hear it? And um, like it was good, but the production on it is really good. Like they had like Amazing. the horn section and yeah. her high voice. She doesn't do that in the in that scene, but um, in the actual track, she has this really high, not high pitched, but high kind of resonance voice and it sounds just amazing like fantastic vocals and it just works it's a really great song so i i like that more than shallow because shallow didn't have like that second verse that it really needed it yeah. needed to go back to the start again to be a really really great song and um the the song why did you do that uh, look, you I, body, I guess body, maybe body, body. if i look through all the interviews i could find maybe lady gaga saying this but to me, it felt like that song was written by Lady Gaga to say that Ali like sold out. Yeah, like totally. I don't think you're supposed to think it's it's a great song. Um, when she when she did the song, like she she performed it at SNL, and you know she starts to dye her hair a little bit throughout the movie, and you know put on the makeup and stuff like that because at the start she didn't do that because it's like well. You know, what, what does it matter what I look like? It's about the songs, right? Yeah. But then she starts... Yeah, know, who cares if my nose is a bit too big? Under influence from her manager, right? I assume. And it's yeah. it felt like she was slowly going away from her original mission statement of, you know, say what you want to say. And the SNL felt like the pinnacle of that. Like she had all these backup dancers. And at the start, she said no backup dancers. And then she's using the backup dancers for... SNL. So she obviously just gave up that fight somewhere. She's like, oh, you know, wasn't mad about the backup dancers. They look kind of cool. Let's do them. She did the makeup. She did the hair. And uh, Jackson was looking at it. And I feel like Jackson, like he was reaching for a drink. He wasn't drinking that day. Then he's like, then he saw his girlfriend doing exactly what he basically told her not to do. You know, don't sell out. Yeah. And because he hasn't sold out. he He's actually been pretty true to what he's what he said he saw that he reaches for a drink and you know it, 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 that was a low point in the movie definitely the, the the style and the lyrics are superficial not the same style as she did in the beginning a, mm. a lot shallower a yeah. lot more superficial yeah she wasn't writing from the heart if you anymore. thought shallow was shallow yeah. <laughs> then hair body face is like literally skin deep but obviously lady gaga is not writing great songs and then making this movie to show her great songs. I think she made some great songs, put them in when Ali was at her, at her best, 
But then she's like, oh, you know what? Ali is going to have a dark moment. Let's write a song for that. And I think she wrote some songs that aren't from the heart. I think she wrote like, why did you do that? Like, what would Ali be thinking in this moment? Like, what would she write to get sales? And I don't think like all these songs aren't Lady Gaga songs. Maybe none of them are. But to some extent, I think early Ali is actually kind of like Lady Gaga. Like Lady Gaga has often dealt with like comments about her looks and stuff like that, which I don't get. She's very attractive, but I feel like the songs later in the film was her doing a job, which is acting essentially. Like she, she's just singing a song that Ali would sing. It's not from the heart. I'd be surprised if that was anything about that. Yeah. When Ali sings songs about like sexy jeans, my heart was broken. Yeah. And I think she goes back to it. Like, so for instance, I think the early songs from, from the film are Lady Gaga songs in, in essence. Right. I think the ones from the middle of the film, like um, Why Did You Do That, Hair, Body, Face, um, are just alley songs, I guess you could say. You know, negative songs, I guess you could say, like things that Lady Gaga probably wouldn't write. And then the ones at the end, which is like I'll Never Love Again, even though that was obviously a Jackson song. I'm not sure who wrote it, but... But I it definitely went back to, like, the original style. It went back to the original style. Yeah, so that was a good sign. But I don't know about the middle, like... The, the the poppy songs I don't know because Lady Gaga is a pop cheers but I think right I, I mean, think I don't know her material even at though all. they sound similar to Poker Face and all that stuff I think if you ask Lady Gaga she would say I don't like those songs I th- I think that's what she'd that's say a good point I bet she'd say they're shallow it's weird because she's probably putting all of her efforts into making a song at the end of the day she would probably say I don't like that song so it, it's interesting yeah. but um, I think that's what the case would be could be wrong about that yeah did you guys think ali sold out i guess i guess i got your answer and on yeah i totally i I totally think ali sold out i i thought it was an interesting point at first because you brought up that question and i i didn't think about that in those terms at first but i totally think she sold out uh i don't know i just sold out but but the thing is is that she doesn't seem concerned about that at all. At all, it seems like she's not aware. Of I'm it. not saying it's, it's the worst thing to do. I'm not saying it's it's wrong. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Like, I think there was a strong saying in the movie about being authentic. Mm. You know, do you remember uh, in La La Land when um, Ryan Gosling's character kind of joins into this uh, mainstream band and kind of forgets about jazz? Yeah. I got reminded with that scene. Uh, but at the end of La La Land, uh, without too many spoilers, just a major one, he kind of goes back to it. Like he understands that he neglected his dream and he's not doing what he always wanted. And he opens the jazz club he always dreamed of. That kind of tells you that he realized he sold out and he's going back to his roots and his, you know, true nature, true self. And maybe even- I didn't think he sold out though. I think he just needed a job. So I don't think, I think he put his dreams like on the back burner. I don't think he forgot about them. Well, he, you know he, does, I mean. he does have a conflict with Emma Stone character about that, where she's telling him, what about, what about your dreams? What about your uh, authenticity? And um, he's arguing that it's a good gig. And like he, he fell in love with the money, I think. And, well, long story short, it's it's a bit similar, though, like at the end of A Star is Born, like she's not, she's she's still fine with being a pop star who sold out, I think. Yeah, and it's okay. I, I definitely think she sold out. 
but it's not the worst thing you can do. It's, it's okay if you want to be a pop star. It's okay if you want to be successful and have your career kind of flourish and explode. It's a bit sad when someone who's really talented and you really love kind of sells out. It's a bit sad, it's, but it, mm. I don't know. It's okay. Yeah. Selling out is kind of like an interesting phenomenon. Like, Which we, I hope we'll do one day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, for instance, like a lot of bands, like the fans will think they sold out, but potentially they just went in a different direction. And then some will sell out, but they're not. I think I would find it very hard to believe that a band sells out and they just would say, they obviously wouldn't say it to fans because it would just make render the situation like just useless. But I doubt bands would just admit to themselves that they sold out. Like it seems like something you do and don't admit to yourself about. Yeah. It would be very odd to say like, oh, yeah, we kind of sold out in the last album, but like I, I've never seen that happen. I guess I haven't seen a lot of bands sell out either. Like, the one I'm thinking of is probably U2. I, I have a, a selling out joke to read. Yeah. There's a website called bash.org, which is, uh, I don't know, a bunch of, like, funny quotes from Reddit <laughs> or from um, MIRC. I don't really know. But, like, there's... Uh, person one says, Metallica sold out in 45 minutes. So person two says, yeah, no. Oh, wait, you mean like a concert? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like sold out in 45 minutes, like one album where they sold out or something like that. But if, like, obviously Lady Gaga is a real singer, but if, if Bradley Cooper or Jackson Maine existed in real life, like, and he put out these songs, like Alibi and whatever the acoustic one was. Uh, <laughs> what, what, who would he be similar to? Would he be similar to someone? Like, has he copied someone else for the movie? Like, oh, let's just do this guy. And, or, like, is he unique in any ways? Or what do you think? I thought about that question for a while and I came up with a really good answer. Oh, yeah. And then I didn't write it down. <laughs> who it reminds me of? Do you have anything, Peter? Yeah, I had one that I've mentioned on the. I've mentioned like a song from this guy on the on the podcast, but he f just the way he sings and a little bit of like the the stuff he does with the beat feels very much like Dave Matthews. Um, yeah, like yeah, in terms of know, style, there's a lot of similarities there. Yeah, like for instance, like with the drumming, a lot of the drumming's very like almost. Um, not a marching band, but definitely um, very tribal. You know, like has that has that feeling of people just whacking bongos and and a bunch of toms. Yeah, like it just it feels very raw. And I feel like Dave Matthews has that same thing where it's less about like technicality and more about getting that feeling, like everyone like feeling the music, and he wants everyone to be tapping their feet and stuff like that. He has that feeling to me. Also, he does acoustic and electric. That that's obviously part of the reason. But also the way he sings. Like, I think Dave Matthews does have have a pretty deep voice. But some people with deep voices sound like like they can't even do like lighter voices. But the thing is, in, in the movie or at least in real life, Bradley Cooper has like a pretty normal voice. Like, I guess my voice is probably sits maybe like a slightly higher than average, but. He's like pretty much dead average, you know. Like he does yeah. Rocky Raccoon in the Avengers, just so you know. Yeah. <laughs> and but when he sings, he got, he has this really like boomy voice. Yeah. Throughout the movie, he has a very low yeah. register. He has yeah. a very deep Lower voice. Lower than what? And a southern accent. And a southern accent. Yeah. <laughs> He's obviously an actor, but it feels lower than probably what he would feel comfortable doing. I'd assume. Yeah. And yeah. Um, Dave Matthews has that same voice. 
even if it's not from the same reasons. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I think the obvious one is from Alibi. Like, that sounds like he's trying to go as low as he can, whereas, like, the old ways die song is feels like his normal register. I think it's yeah. a, good, a good comparison. Yeah, country rock is also an interesting genre. Like, anytime someone says country, it's like putting putting a bit of feces in food. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, oh, shit. <laughs> you know, let's keep it bloody residential. Uh, oh, fuck this. But um, I don't know, like, he, he has an interesting country take. Like, you know, it's it's like a southern rock almost. It's almost like pop rock um, disguised as country rock. Yeah. Uh, which isn't a bad thing. Yeah. I actually like it. I do, yeah. You know, I think it works. He has some he has some good lyrics as well. Like, the Alibi song um, I thought was good. Like, he, he, he just had, like, that line which I like, which changes the meaning. Um, so, he's like... Um, he's like, I don't lie without an alibi, <laughs> which is good because he seemed like this honest guy. He's like, I don't lie, lie without, without an alibi. alibi. <laughs> like, and it's just like, <laughs> oh. Because <laughs> like, the first time I was listening to it, he's like, I don't lie. I'm like, oh, man, this guy's like a truther. <laughs> 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 he's like, <laughs> he's like, without an alibi. I'm like, I'm like there's Jackson. <laughs> yeah. These songs always have a twist. <laughs> yeah. So that one that one sounds good. Did he do the the vocals? Did he sing himself? Uh what's his name? Bradley Cooper on the movie? He did. He, oh, yeah, he did. did. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think there's a few live versions from like the Oscars or something yeah. where they did the voices, the the songs. Um I think Al well, I know that Lady Gaga has this kind of like I guess you call it a policy where like she just doesn't lip sync, which it sounds like very like oh virtuous like, but I think pretty common nowadays like lip singing is getting much less common it became super common and then much less common i can't, uh, if someone just went out and just sat on a stool and just <laughs> lip singed the whole thing that would be terrible but <laughs> i remember we we're doing that 1988 michael jackson concert and he goes in and out of lip singing because he does the dancing yeah and he's not holding a mic so it's like how do you think you're singing like you know what i mean so <laughs> Um, but so he's not really hiding it. I think lip singing is only a problem if you hide it. Like if you go out there, do a backflip while you're trying to sing a high note, uh, everyone knows that it's lip singing at that moment. So that's fine. But like, if you, if you go out there and you're just like trying to, trying to do it exactly like the album version, then, then you're in a tough spot. So I think Lady <laughs> Gaga has just done the thing of like, well, I've got a pretty great voice, so I'm just never going to lip sing like hmm. ever. Um, so in the movie, I'm pretty sure. There's very little editing to it, like obviously some. So I think in some of the 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 sellout songs, we'll call it. I think they edit it and they go, yeah, let's edit this, let's make this higher, let's make yeah. this lower, you know, let's bit of oil tune here. I think that is deliberate. So I think you could probably tell the songs that she likes versus the ones she doesn't by the ones that she edited a bit. <laughs> but like shallow and stuff like that is all like pretty raw. For, for Bradley Cooper, I'm pretty sure like he just did the best job he could in the studio. And then just like, yep, don't worry, we'll fix it. Like, <laughs> I think that that's how it is, and that's totally fine. Like, he's an actor. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the um, the ending? Of I the was going to make a suicide joke, but it, that never ends well. Uh, Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, I do want to talk about the ending because I I read a bit about the ending. I, I heard a lot of people. I mentioned it before, but I heard a lot of people had a, like problems with the ending. Do you guys have specific thoughts about that or? Do you want me to tell you why people didn't like the ending first? Yeah, do that first. They say that in the end, when Jack kills himself, the 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 idea is that he sacrifices himself uh, to let Allie keep building her career up and kind of 
enjoy her success and everything. Yep. It seems as if he ended up committing suicide to kind of, you know, give Allie an out, to not keep disturbing her success. But people don't like the fact that she doesn't take that out. Mm. Like, instead of enjoying her freedom and instead of becoming what she could become, like realizing her potential, yeah. she takes his last name and she kind of goes back to the original style and sings the songs that he writes and everything. Which people didn't like. People, Steals his fucking catalog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. That's the, the only part of the movie I really didn't like because Jack is presumably sacrificing himself for her success, for Ali's career, which is a dumb sacrifice because, I don't know, she chose to cancel the European tour to be with him. Mm. She might have been torn between her career and her life with, with him, but she he shouldn't have just made the choice for her. And also... Suicide is just not... It's never the answer. He shouldn't have made that sacrifice anyway. <laughs> I don't know. People are saying that Jack's sacrifice was for nothing. People are saying that she didn't take the, the, the chance that Jack's sacrifice gave her. And I don't know if I agree with that. I think his sacrifice kind of opened her eyes and allowed her to go back to her roots and write music from her heart again and to find her mm. voice again, which is... I don't know, I thought it was clear throughout the movie that Jack was basically doomed from the beginning. You, you knew he wasn't mm. going to get things right and live happily ever after. They made it really obvious when he drove past those, like, nooses. Yeah. Like, that was... Yeah. Noosai. Noosai. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know, like, from... Especially the second time I saw it, the movie starts with him drinking and doing drugs, and even though you knew he wasn't going to be, like, to have a happy ending. I thought they were going to break up or something, but I didn't think he was going to commit suicide. It's just not the right solution. It, it fixes nothing for anyone. So if people look at it as, like, a romantic ending and, like, he made the ultimate sacrifice for Ali, I don't connect with that at all. Me neither. I think I think it was um, kind of like an excuse to, to make this big ending with yeah. a very emotional song. I guess there's something dramatic with him completely giving up, and especially after that uh, pep talk that uh, oh yeah her agent did with him, which basically told him yeah you should uh, should kill yourself. Yeah. Ever considered it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, Mo. It might be for you. Yeah, I don't. Know. I I think it could. I think he could set her free without committing suicide, without killing himself. Well, he was such a mess at that point, so... Uh, Maybe, yeah. And I think I think they talk... Like, he did try to kill himself before that, right? It wasn't the first time. Oh, yeah, yeah. When he was younger, he did try to... Um... Yeah, exactly. So that Oh, was, yeah, when uh... he was 13 or something, yeah. Did he? And then he, like, broke, ripped the ceiling fan out yeah, of it? Yeah, exactly. I don't know, maybe it's a thing that, because it's the first movie he's directed, maybe he went for, like, the overly dramatic ending. But mm. also, maybe it's because it's the fourth iteration of the story, and in each of the past iterations of the story, spoilers, at least that's what I've heard, that's how the movie ends, with a suicide. So maybe he just wanted to keep up the tradition. I think he was always going to, like, take his own life in terms of from the planning of the movie. They pl they were planning it since, like, 2011. I think. Oh, really? Yeah, I think in no circumstance he wasn't going to, because I think they were trying to keep it um, true to the, I guess you call it franchise, yeah. but not really. But, not really. <laughs> um, you know, true to the installments of the of the films. But um, I think they, actually, they originally had a different scene, like an ending, or not an ending scene, but a suicide scene where it was more graphic. It was more... Really? You know, like, or at least more... Um, provocative i guess you could say 
And then Bradley kind of like thought, like, let's do this kind of scene. Like film is him walking and doing this slow thing. And honestly, like when I first saw the film, I didn't like it. I didn't like the scene. Like not, not like not through character motivations or anything, just purely like the aesthetics of it. I thought, I don't know, like just the way he got out of the car when he parked it, like he felt like he was very drunk, like he was doing a drunk. Yeah. Because a lot of, a lot of suicides are very spontaneous, right? I think. And it felt like, oh, he drank too much and he killed himself. Felt like that. Like I didn't love it. But then I watched again and I like it a bit more. I love the acting when he's closing the garage door. I thought just that was amazing. Like I think, I feel like that was take one. Because I, I feel like you couldn't do that, slam the door, and they go, yeah, that was pretty good, but let's do a longer stare. I, <laughs> I don't think that was was happening. I think I think he just winged it. I think he would have done the best he could, and um, that's what it was. I think I think the acting makes a scene, but I'm not in love with like the way they shot it, like the dog outside. Like I don't know, it just didn't really do anything for me the scene. But in terms of the character motivations, let me gather my thoughts here. This isn't really to do with the film, but one thing about discussions of kind of suicide is that if you put in the word suicide or something into Google, all the things like don't do it, put it off, there's other ways and stuff like that, which I think for health health reasons, it's, it's always good to <laughs> delay someone. You know, yeah. like you're never going to be like, I don't know, might be right. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> that to be the first result. We have to make a pros right? and cons list. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like people who are le- like legitimately like suicidal, they'll see like the first one, which is like in Australia would be like Beyond Blue or something like that. The, f- the first link saying, you know, there's another way. Like that's a little bit patronizing, I think, to a lot of people who are really down and dumps. So it's like, you know, what do you know? You know it's like a comp- computer thing, like... You know, there's another way, like, that's what everyone says. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like discussions in, like, psychology are always like, oh, you feel like that? Why do you feel like that? Like, you know, give me your arguments, right? But when it's suicide, it's like, no, you're wrong. Like, <laughs> you're, that's not the way. Like, it's like they don't even hear you out before they tell you, like, their verdict. You know what I mean? I, I don't expect, like, a psychologist to be like, hmm, I've heard your story and I think, Yep, suicide might be the right <laughs> option. Like that's never going to happen. But like, um, but it just it feels like the the dialogue is only one way. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it doesn't feel like you you if you felt like a problem to the world when you like googling it and stuff like that. The feedback you get just it makes you feel like you're not only a problem but you're also wrong. <laughs> you know, like you're not you're not even like thinking clearly about that. And that's the one thing you thought you were doing correctly. So when people are saying in the movie, right, like, you know, he's not just killing himself, but he's like sacrificing himself. Like he, he felt like basically like he was just dead weight. Like he was bringing her down. I'm just going to do the noble thing here. Take myself out of the equation and, you know, then she'll fly. Right. But he, he would have had to also known that, She's very attached to him. Like, yeah. if she was, if he was a problem, Ali was like, yeah, he's a bit of a problem, but I keep him around. Who gets, who cares? <laughs> and he killed himself. That actually might have worked. Like, he, she might have been like, yep, very sad. But, you know, at least now there's no one wetting their pants on, on the Grammys. Yeah. So, um, like, potentially it could have worked. But they were too attached 
for her to just move on. And also, I think sometimes he, I think he might have known that as well. Like, I don't think the the sacrifice was like purely, I'm, I'm dead weight here. I'm just going to cut the cord and she'll do it. I think it's more like, I'm probably dead weight. And the right thing to me, for me to do is cut the cord, even if it doesn't help. It's just like the, the honorable thing. I think it's, I think he did it out of honor. Like, cause when he, when he brought Ali up from, you know, the bar and stuff, yeah. like, he, he, he would never do anything to like disturb her success. Like he, he just was like, but the, the, the moment he like embarrassed himself and he, he was just like, you know, that's, that's not something I want to do. And if I did that again, well, that would be terrible. So how do I stop that ever happening again? Knowing that, yes, I'll probably get drunk again. Yes, I'll probably, uh, I'm, I'm very hard to control. And I think like, I think he was just saying, well, suicide, look, might be a solution, might not be, but at least I won't do that again. And also I won't have to hear about it again. Like, no one is ever going to insult you again if you're dead. Like, you know, like after you die, everyone's like, you know, he was a great guy, had some faults, but you know, everyone loved you. And if you can just skip to that, then I can, I can understand like, no one's, no one's that critical of even people that have died, you know, like it's this very human thing to do, but obviously you're not around to see that. But, and, and, and from Ali's perspective, like if she should have taken the out, like, I just think the idea of someone, uh, like spouse or husband, like passing away and then someone going like, Hmm, so you're going to take that out or like <laughs> just, you know, obvi- like, I just think that's just like dishonorable on her part. So like the honorable thing for him to do, he thought was to end his life. And then the honorable thing for her is obviously to honor her husband. So like, and he would have known that it's just, you know, it's just a sad situation. I, I don't know if I totally agree with you. I don't know exactly where I stand. I, I, I would have loved a different ending, but I totally, I don't think it ruins the movie or anything. Like the, the ending mm-hmm. was sad. The ending was strong. The ending, like to see her reactions to everything. It, it was a good ending all in all. Like, I'm not going to say that, it's definitely a wrong decision to have him uh, like commit mm. suicide. If if you had to re if you had to rewrite it, and basically the flaw is yours, but the only stipulation is Jackson recovers. However, you want to interpret that. What do you do? Can you do it? Like, can you make an entertaining film, or is it too boring just to see someone stop being an alcoholic? No, I don't know. I, I think uh, like in terms of if they'd stay in the relationship, they'd slowly kill each other you know they'd always keep fighting they'd always have alcohol problems and i think the best thing to do in terms of the story was to just realize that either they'd kill themselves or they'd have to separate and to see them separate would also be very sad would be a very strong ending because Mm -hmm. they are very attached to each other so to know that they're out there Mm -hmm. somewhere but they can't live together they can't have each other in their lives mm. i think it would have been a bit better maybe it would be nice to see like a straight up recovery story yeah. <laughs> like, I, I guess it wouldn't sell too well no. but can you imagine like we have this film two hours in and then he's at the rehab center he's like yeah doing okay and then instead of dying he he gets he, the, the her manager what's his name rez, rez. who cares he's a fucking asshole yeah um, <laughs> yeah everyone hates him he he basically gives him this thing he feels down in the dumps and he just goes like straight back to rehab and then he just talks through it and he's like 
And then this res guy just gets like hit by a bus or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) And then done a comic relief. (laughs) (laughs) Well, not that. Like, if I was writing a serious movie, I wouldn't do that. I'd just say, like, you know, he would confront res, and he'd just be like, you know, you shouldn't say that to people. (laughs) Like, you know, dead weight is just like, you know, just just a terrible thing to say to someone. And I think the 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 way to go for him, I think, would have been the high road. Just about man. Rez was a dick to me when I was yeah. down in the dumps. But you know what? I would never say that to someone else. Yeah. And I'm just going to live my life not being Rez. <laughs> so, like, it would have been nice to see, like, a full alternate take of, like, a recovery story where he's stable, like, he just doesn't drink. Or even, like, what would even be crazier is, like, if he just had a beer, just one beer, like, and to stop there. But you, it wouldn't be the same if if it would it wouldn't be like if uh, this movie can't have an a happy ending no it was it doomed from a, the beginning mm. yeah but the question is whether like there's a bad ending but that makes a bit more sense or, or maybe that you can be a bit more in peace in peace with it you know mm. like them splitting up it's probably the the closest can i bring up a few more flaws i found in the movie like a, a few more points that i don't necessarily think ruined the movie, but I didn't really like. Mm. Don't say the sock scene. No, no, no. That, that was, was the, the peak of the movie for me. The the, the <laughs> top top of the movie. <laughs> I I don't. I think I thought there was like a few scenes, a few bits in the story that either happened way too fast or way too easy. Mm. And again, they don't ruin the movie. They just make them feel a bit weaker. But okay. like there was one specific point, uh, one that felt a bit. Mm. Like a bit over the line. The whole thing when Jack first saw Ali performing in the, the cross dressing club mm. thing and her performing with him on stage and becoming like an instant star. Because the thing it is that. Quickly? Yeah, it, it literally happens overnight. They meet, they stay all night out together, and the next day he's like forcing her onto mm. the stage with him, and the next yeah. day she's a star. And like. It was just a bit too perfect, you know. Uh, the, the the he heard Ali performing a verse of that song in the the parking lot, and the next day, the whole mm. band knows exactly how to play it perfectly. <laughs> they're, they're, He's like, his the, the structure of the song is perfect. <laughs> the the everyone knows exactly when to play, what to play. The lyrics of the verses are somehow complete. Eh, I don't know. I wouldn't yeah. say it's a major problem, but it was a bit too easy. Nah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rebut here. Okay. <laughs> well, I think, I think that's great. I think it's like that's what happens sometimes. Like it's, it's not a a star is conceived. It's like you know a star is born, like just straight out of the womb. You know, like it happened spontaneously. Like he probably went home after that interaction. Was like, oh, fucking better write this song, like or at least his verse. And then I don't know, a band can adapt. Like it just seems like. That's how it should be, I reckon. Like, if they were, like, if they made that longer, I feel like I would have probably commented the other way. Like, I feel like, you know, that that feels, like, organic to me. I don't I don't think they should have, like, stretched out that bit in the movie, but just don't make it overnight. Mm. Like, you can, you can make oh, it yeah. seem to, to happen over a week in the same stretch of time of the movie, in the same duration. Yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, another point I... I don't know, it kind of felt weird to me, but again, it's it's such a minor point. The fact that El- Ali punched that cup in the cup bar, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't that, that annoying. Was he, he, it wasn't like even 10 seconds. He was just standing there talking to Jack for like 10 seconds, 
and she popped him. Maybe it didn't have had to happen. <laughs> yeah, that actually, I totally forgot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess that's kind of like a character building, but it felt out of the blue, and it doesn't really align with the rest, the of, rest the of the character. character. Yeah, like it yeah. never came up again. She never punched anyone again. She never was aggressive towards anyone again. I totally didn't get that point. Yeah, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to bring up, or should we go into the closing remarks? Unless you guys want to talk about the sock scene, but... Let's talk about the sock scene. <laughs> Why do I love that scene so much? It just felt so... Um, you know what I love in films? I love scenes that... They don't seem like, oh, they had to put this scene in to build up the next scene or something. Like, it, it feels like a just a scene by itself. You know what I mean? Like, it, uh, it was a end in itself. It had, like, no real other purpose. Yeah. And just, like, it felt like too honest... Like, people just having a conversation. Like, it's just like, oh, you know, not wearing any socks. And he's like, no, 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 wearing these invisible socks. And he's like, oh, you're wearing socks, but you're hiding them. I was like, <laughs> like, it just felt like a very odd thing to say, like, you're hiding your socks. Like, don't want anyone to see your socks. Yeah, it tells you a lot about Reza's character. <laughs> it, it, it is a lot of his character, you know. Like, you could tell, like, it just would never have occurred to Jackson. Like, to go out and buy, like, invisible socks. Like, just wear Tell fucking socks. Tell me where you know? your socks. <laughs> and the thing is, I wear invisible socks. So, it's not like, like, because that's just what you do when you wear, like, tennis shoes or something like that. Like, with jeans and stuff <laughs> like that. That's just the fashion. But you can tell Jackson's, like, this southern guy. He's just like, oh, hiding your socks. <laughs> like, what an odd thing to do. <laughs> like, these people from up in the city hiding their socks. Like... It's it feels like one of those things that um people would do like in the eighteen hundreds, like, oh shit, bring out all your like kerosene candles and put in like these like candle wax ones, like don't want anyone to see our inferior <laughs> lighting. And then like the twenty first century where everyone's got like iPhones and stuff, it's just like, oh you can see a bit of your sock. <laughs> <laughs> I just I just love that scene. Like just yeah. I think you maybe put a lot more thought towards that scene than anyone else. No, no, no. I feel like that's... Without that scene, I feel like the movie really falls apart. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously, every time you bring up a subject and then you love the subject, it feels like, oh, I can see what's happening. You're doing some quag manipulation here, trying to put in an easy win, you know, classic and non-move. But, (laughs) like, I I went into this... Like, I remember when it came out in cinemas pre-COVID and I, I, I just love these biopic movies like the the one with um Bohemian Rhapsody like the the Rocket Man one and this one I was like oh is this a biopic one like you know who's it on Jackson May never heard him but then it wasn't and I was like oh <laughs> fuck it then I don't want to see a <laughs> La La Land rip off you know like this is not go to this but so that's kind of why I brought it up on the show like, I like to bring up things that look objectively good but i wouldn't go for uh, i think i was kind of right like i would never really have got into like a a movie with lady gaga honestly if they didn't put her on the title i wouldn't have known it was lady gaga no not at all but, um <laughs> so this is definitely outside of my wheelhouse but you know what i thought it was pretty great like obviously first time director mr cooper like he was great in the acting role lady gaga was fantastic in you know her singing obviously but um, her acting was pretty good as well. And overall, the directing was pretty good. Like, it wasn't, you know, Oscar-worthy, like, best director or anything like that. But it was nice. Definitely 
having the songs there really helped. Like it's a song driven movie. As Barrio said, like you feel like a lot of scenes were there to service the songs. So uh, I think sometimes you could probably, if, if you become a cynic, you could probably say, well, I didn't like that. But if you stop pixel peeping and have just enjoy the view, like I think it's a pretty good film. Like I honestly, like if, if this was, if I say, if this was at least 50 years ago, but it was, but if this was a standalone film, right? No installments, but it was released in the nineties and we were watching it 30 years later today, we would say, Oh wow. She was popular in the nineties. This was his first directing thing. He's, actor and stuff i feel like we could say this is a iconic cultural moment but because it's so recent it doesn't feel as like a cultural moment yeah, but maybe i feel not like yet. honestly i feel like this is going to be a cultural thing i think we'll look back at it in five ten years and just say like wow that was a really great thing you know like this is it's a star is born but for our generation yeah. you know i think a lot of people will will like this and honestly like you can't have a sequel to it but if if um if somehow they could have a I just want to see more of these two characters. Like it just seemed like um such a um unexplored territory a little bit. Like I feel like um as Lady Gaga is obviously a real personality in real life, I felt like Jackson Maine was a real personality and there's actually more songs. Like obviously there's a fictional character and I always love it when people debate behind the scene things in fictional things, knowing that that never happened, and if it did happen, someone would have to write it. You know what I mean? So there's no objective reality behind what's written, but it feels like there is somehow in this movie. Like it feels like even though there's no other bits written for him, it feels like he exists in the world. And I think that's the strong suit of this movie. It feels like it could exist. You know, feel like they had SNL and um, Grammys, and it feels like it feels like it is part of the world. So yeah, I love it. I completely agree. I think. It's heavy, but it's not too heavy. And especially if you do like musical films, then this is this is a great one and and a bit more modern. You know, with lowering the expectation regarding the the actual plot. I feel that my main um, miss here was not watching the previous versions of this. Apple, unfortunately, um, they actually have a trilogy deal where that you get the twenty eighteen, the seventy eight, and the fifty four, but they don't. They don't have the um, 37, or I think it's 38. And um, yeah, that, I, I don't know. I, maybe it's too old. Like it, it is very old. Like most yeah. of the films we see are from 50s onwards, but um, I'm not sure if they could. Uh, I'm surprised they couldn't get it digitally, but maybe it's just not. Maybe making it a quadrilogy, people would have just commented and said like, oh, wow, this 30, 38 one is terrible quality or something like that. So I'm not sure, but you can definitely get, the trilogy through like Apple yeah. or whatever thing you watch. So um, potentially, you know, watch it with the family or something like that and watch them three Sundays or something in a row and see what one it is. So, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if like after watching all of these movie versions, you would say this is a cultural asset. Everyone should watch it. It's an amazing experience. You, you see movie and musical evolution and it's amazing i have to say i watched most of the version from 1954 and there was one thing that i really liked about it like you know it's about norman main instead of jack main and um esther bludgett hmm. instead of 
Allie. <laughs> terrible name. Terrible name. <laughs> terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> they change her name uh, during the movie. They give her a stage name. She's called Vicky Lester at some point. But because Lester Blodgett name. wouldn't take. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, instead of musicians, they're like actors. He's a famous actor who is known for being drunk and like messy and uh, unreliable and stuff. And, you know, he sees her, he, he meets her at some point and he makes her you know, like, she, she was a jazz singer with some orchestra or something. And he takes her kind of under his wing and he introduces her to a producer and she becomes a star and everything. And the thing is, after she becomes a star, he tells her, I think we should end things. I think uh, this is uh, gone its course. I think there's nothing more I can do to help you. And you shouldn't be with me because everything I touch turns bad. I ruin things. And she, she decides to take that risk. And that's like a minor detail that I really liked uh, that was kind of missing from this, from the 2018 movie, I thought. Uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't finish the movie, but there's something there. Uh, I, I plan to watch it. Regarding the, the 2018 version, I, like I said, I think the movie has flaws. I don't think it's a perfect movie. The more I thought about that movie, the more I was happy we watched it. Like, I did love the two main characters, despite the fact that Jack is kind of a broken person and Allie kind of became blinded with fame. And the story was sad and strong and in a good way. Uh, the, the movie has a lot of charm to it. I think it has, like, the, the, the flaws came from the fact that it's the first movie that Cooper's directed, or maybe from the fact that it doesn't really diverge from the earlier versions of that story, the, the earlier uh, versions of that movie. Um, I don't, when I think about whether or not to recommend it to people, I think about how it's an overall good experience. Like, I did find myself telling people about it and telling them they should watch that movie in the past couple of days. I, I like this movie. I think most people will enjoy it. But also... There are plenty of other things I'd recommend first. I don't know. My point is, I really enjoyed this movie. It's not a masterpiece, though. So, as we do at the end of each step of our quest, we're going to take a vote that will decide whether or not A Star is Born has a place in the Culture Quest Essentials Guide, a.k.a. The Quag. We will vote with a gentlemanly tip of the hat for yay or an ominous stroke of the mustache for nay, and the vote must be unanimous in order for it to pass. Peter, do you want to vote first? Yeah, well, again, I think I might be in the minority here. But you know what? I think I think this one does enough good stuff and has enough cultural relevance with the famous people in it. And the songs hopefully will not not die too early. I think they I think they have some um legs. I, I I'm gonna tip my hat to this one. Barrio, you're up. Oh wow. You got me by surprise. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll, I'll be the negative Nelly of the bunch, stroking negative Norman, my mustache. Negative yeah. Norman. Negative <laughs> <laughs> Norman. I'll also uh, stroke my mustache because I think there's, I, I think there was a fair amount of missed potential here. I think this could have been so much better with uh, a few minor changes. Again, I did like this movie. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'll listen to the soundtrack some more. I, I, I did like this movie, but I think it could have been like, with a few minor changes, it could have been one of my favorite movies of all time. So, yeah. Wow. Well, up next, in two weeks, guys, we are going to watch the movie Billy Elliot. Billy Elliot is a movie I heard a lot about from 2000 
20 years ago. Man, this is ancient history. <laughs> well, I don't know much about this movie other than it's in England. It's about a boy named Billy Elliot. <laughs> and I think his father is a coal miner and that he likes ballet. That's about it. <laughs> uh, it's going to be interesting. If I remember correctly, it's a boy who's supposed... Like, his father wants him to go box or fight or something, and he decides to go to learn ballet instead. Much like you, I heard a lot about this movie. I, I, I'll admit, as a kid, I avoided this movie because it was about ballet. <laughs> but yeah, it's supposed to be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, um, I don't know why, but the, <laughs> this, the, the look of the, vo- the child actor, he looks like a good child actor. I feel like I've seen him in something else, but... Can't remember what it's from, but um, Jamie, Jamie Bell. Jamie Bell. Never heard of him. Is he in any other famous things or sort of a one-off? Uh, he's in the Fantastic Four. He's in Rocket Man. I wonder what, <laughs> what he's doing there. Nymphomaniac Volume Three, Volume Two. Sorry. <laughs> hmm. No, must be must just look like some other kid. But um, the the movie looks kind of eh, what's the word charming? Yeah, almost. Um, looks like uh, hard to describe, but I don't think we've done anything. It's hard to know without seeing it, but there's nothing that we've done that seems similar to it. I might be wrong, but... No, I think you're right. Um, yeah, it seems kind of a bit new, new unique to the this podcast, at least, you know, so... Directed yeah. by Stephen Doldry, uh, the guy who made Notting Hill and Four Weddings and a Funeral, which I remember are good mm, movies. Okay, yeah. yeah, it should be interesting. Clearly, we know nothing about it, so this <laughs> is <pretty good. laughs> All right, cool. So... Thank you, Peter, and thank you, Barrio, for staying true to our goal. Thank you, the listeners at home, for helping us along the latest stage of our quest. We hope that you join us again next episode, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye! See ya! Bye! The Culture Quest Podcast is part of All the People Network. Visit our website at culturequestpodcast.com to contact us or see a list of our upcoming episodes. Follow us on Twitter at CQ underline podcast and tell your friends about us. Find out more information about All The People Network and the other podcasts it includes at allthepeoplenetwork.com. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention all those people that are currently stuck without their phone and are forced to continue listening to this unless they pause it and then have to contemplate, you know, the state of their life and other things. So, you'll probably just continue listening. I just wanted to give a bit of a shout out to a um, a website, actually. It's called givewell.org. So, that's give, G-I-V-E, well, W-E, double L dot org. So it's, it's a dot org. So it's, it's legit. And, um, basically they're the authority on who is worth giving money to in terms of charity. So obviously we'll give money to friends and family if they fall on hard times. But if you are thinking about giving large sums of money to, um, charities, it's definitely best to do your research because, a lot of people just give away money and want to feel good, but it's also good to think of it as an investment and how you can do the most good. So, it's not asking you to give away more money, but it's asking you to give the money away in a responsible way. And um, basically, they've just authorized eight charities. So, out of all the, I want to say hundreds of thousands of charities, might be a bit lower, but they've authorized only eight. And I think it's really good to just 
scan through the list and um, see if you can consider donating to these charities. So um, I think that would be good if we can all sort of band together during these tough times. At the moment, it's COVID, but, you know, that will change and we're all going to need to support everyone. So this is probably one of the best evidence-based ways to do that. So, yeah, so definitely hop on to givewell.org if you're considering and hopefully those charities are like tax deductible or something in your country, which would be in your best interest. So anyway, this is not formal advice, but it's just a good place to go. Thank you.